time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. Happy Tuesday. Happy belated Mother's Day to everyone out there. And I must admit to you guys, as uh, you know, those of you who are uh, avid listeners of the podcast, who've been loyal since the beginning, that occasionally I do have technical difficulties. Well, I recorded an entire episode already on Sunday night and started to listen to it. And after 10 minutes, the, uh, the sound just went out. So I don't know what that is. I think maybe my old mom was playing a, a trick on me. Uh, so anyway, we're going to do take two here on the podcast and um, maybe talk about some things that I didn't last time, but I'll pretty much just cover what I did um, yesterday, but it is Monday for me now. And, and it's in a way it's good. I'm recording again because there's a few things I was kind of projecting and hoping would happen that in fact did happen. And now I can comment on them such as the Los Angeles Kings tying the series. I got my, I got a puck around here too. Got my hockey puck here too. Let's go King, go Kings, go. Uh, they look dead in the water after games two and three getting, blown out and i mean blown out and uh what a, what a great win on sunday night in game four at home a shutout by mr jonathan quick the uh the great goaltender for the kings and one of the best playoff goaltenders of all time so uh he's had his moments in the series where he's looked uh a little shady but um you know what on wednesday night was a was another one of his a uh, classic classic performances so kings are back in the series Three games left. It's tied two to two. Game five is Tuesday night, seven o'clock. They're back in Edmonton. That means game six will be back here in LA on Thursday. Not sure of the time of that yet. And then if there is a game seven, it will be uh, Saturday. So uh, a, a great week here of Kings hockey. Hopefully, go Kings go. Hold hold your uh, your hockey pucks tight, and uh, you know don't chew off all your fingernails, which is always an issue for me. So. Uh, great win in game one games two and three they get rocked it's like okay they're gonna get killed and then game four they come back they make a make a great uh, showing and Jonathan Quick does his thing so exciting stuff man I I think the playoff hockey is still the best the best stuff around uh, also Tuesday for you real hondo prep fans out there uh, as this is released it will be released on Tuesday the uh, May 10th the Real Hondo Prep softball team, the ladies from Real Hondo Prep, they will be in a second round game against the number one overall seed, Fountain Valley High School, who is a, quite, uh, quite the enrollment and always been a pretty good program. Most of those Orange County schools are, are pretty good. But uh, Real Hondo Prep, led by uh, pitcher Tatiana Four, uh, is looking to uh, slay a Goliath, much like the boys did in football, uh, taking down uh, Charter Oak in the first round. The uh, Rear Hondo Prep young ladies have quite the softball team, and I'm excited to uh, be in attendance for that game on Tuesday. And I hope anyone who can will get out and uh, get out to that game also, because we want to give the girls support, much like we do the the boys here uh, here on the Get Home Safe podcast. Always a big supporter of my alma mater, and and from what I hear, the people I've talked to, some of the parents, some of the coaches, 
this team has a real good shot. The, the, uh, the senior senior class for the girls is just, uh, is uh, special, much like the boys in that class. And uh, they, they're, they're poised to make a run here. So excited for real Hondo prep softball taking on Fountain Valley on Tuesday. And it could be a busy week for them if they manage to keep winning, much like the LA Kings. I think they would be same schedule Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. But uh, again, it's it's Tuesday first. You got to get past that one. So as you guys are listening to this, big stuff happening down at Rio Hondo Prep on uh, field three, that gorgeous softball field. So much work done uh, on the field and the program by head coach uh, Joe Parker. So get out and support the Rio Hondo Prep young ladies on Tuesday for the CIF Southern Section playoffs. Uh, Tatiana Four on the in the circle, almost said on the mound. I know that's a softball thing. Uh, she's uh, doing her thing out there. And this, the bats from Rio Hondo prep, man, uh, 10, nothing against uh, La Quinta of Westminster in the first round. They, they, they mercy them. They shut them out. Uh, some big swings from the Pollock sisters uh, and uh, another big swing from uh, Reagan Johnson, I believe had a home run is, is what I read. So I was busy last Thursday. Wasn't able to go to that game. I was out in Santa Clarita watching the Rio Hondo prep. Uh, boys play their final baseball game of the year as they did end up losing, unfortunately, to the host Trinity Classical Academy. It was a tough game to watch because the boys uh, from Rio Hondo, they were up uh, seven, nothing uh, headed to the third inning and gave up nine runs in that bottom of the third. Unfortunately, Rio did retake the lead at 10 to nine, but then fell behind 12, 10 and uh, could never retake the lead. They did tie it. They sent the game to extra innings, but it was an extra innings on a game ending base hit the Trinity classical took down Rio Hondo prep ended the careers of the Rio Hondo prep senior class from 2022, a great group of guys. It was fun being there. It was a long game, three and a half hours. Uh, I will say this, uh, you know, pitching was rough on both sides. Defense was really rough on both sides. I'm just calling it and saying it like it is not calling any kids out. Just saying uh, a lot of errors, a lot of mistakes by both teams, honestly. And, um, it looked like Rio might uh, pull away, but you know, defense kind of let them back in it, and, and unfortunately, they couldn't they couldn't rally one more time to uh, to take down the the host Trinity Classical. So their season ends, and now we put all of our uh, effort and energy into to watching the girls and watching their their uh, their great achievements here, as they've had a, an incredible softball season, uh, pre- another prep league championship, and poised here to make a run in the postseason. So let's get behind the young ladies on Tuesday. Get out and watch him. And congrats again to the great senior class on the boys' side of things. They're going to go on to bigger and better things. And uh, couldn't be more proud of them for the, the great careers they have had. Welcome, you guys. Welcome to the RHP alumni family. You're one of us now. And now you get to root for guys that uh, you, you you probably have never met before like we've done for you guys. So the cycle continues. And uh, welcome to the club. It's 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 quite a club. I, I am a proud member of it. Uh, one guy in particular I want to point out on the Rio Hondo Prep Boys baseball team uh, is Jonathan Guerrero, who will, in fact, be playing in a football all-star game this Friday at Sierra Vista High School. It is a uh, local local schools, uh, all public, you know, public and private, all the schools, really. Uh, some of the best players in the area, uh, the, the seniors who are going on, uh, some of them to play college, some of them not, but it's an all-star game at Sierra Vista High School in Baldwin Park. So get out and uh, 
support Jonathan Guerrero as uh, he, he will carry the ball, I'm sure, a few times. And it'll be fun to see him go up against a lot of the uh, local competition. So uh, we're, we're cheering and, and rooting for Jonathan, um, at not just Friday night, but also as he continues his football career, Jonathan uh, has announced he is going to Kansas Wesleyan University. So I'm very excited for that. We're going to, we're going to be pulling for him. And I think coach Carson said it best when he tweeted out Jonathan's announcement and he said, congrats, Jonathan, you're going to make some, you're going to make their coaches look like geniuses for, uh, for signing him. So uh, congrats to Jonathan Guerrero on the big um, signing uh, going to Kansas Wesleyan. Any, anytime you can continue your athletic career, no matter what level it is, uh, that is a big time achievement. So I don't care if it's division one, division two, NAIA, JC, uh, the next level is the next level. So congrats to Jonathan. And if you guys want to see a little tackle football here in the month of May, get out to uh, Sierra Vista high school and uh, in the city of Baldwin park to check out, to see Jonathan Guerrero represent real hundo prep in an all-star game. That should be a lot of fun, but girls on Tuesday, big playoff game. Let's go. Let's go Rio. Go, let's go Hondo. Uh, hopefully they can, uh, win a big one on Tuesday, probably the, one of the biggest, uh, biggest, I guess, opponents they've ever faced down at that. Uh, it's not care field, but it's field three, the great softball field. I don't know if it has an official name. I should know that, but I don't. And, uh, anyway, it's a great place to, to watch a softball game. One of the best softball fields, I think in, uh, in all of the San Gabriel Valley. So congrats to uh, the boys on a great season. The girls, you guys aren't done yet. You got a lot of work to do and we're going to be behind you guys hundred percent on Tuesday, three fifteen at uh down at real hondo prep the girls playing uh fountain valley high school for a second round matchup on the in the softball playoffs okay uh coming off of a really exciting weekend i i recorded some stuff on sunday it was mother's day uh mother's day weekend was full of some amazing sports moments i mean uh, I, I didn't think we necessarily thought we'd see some of the things we saw uh, w- during Mother's Mother's Day weekend, no less. But what a great weekend it was for sports. Uh, you guys may not be into uh, the Kentucky Derby horse racing. I understand. Uh, but I will say that is something that has been around a long time. It was the 148th uh, running of the, the Kentucky Derby, which is, I mean, if you think back how far back that goes, it's pretty crazy, but this country, you know, used to be the three big sports were boxing, uh, horse racing and baseball. And for so long, and they have so much history, right? So I did want to mention the Kentucky Derby uh, aspect of it. I'm not a betting man, but, uh, it, it was pretty crazy to see that a, a long shot, the biggest long shot ever in the Kentucky Derby, uh, at 80 to one ended up coming from behind and did take the race and, uh, and win the first leg of the, of the triple crown, the most exciting two minutes in all of sports as, uh, as they, as they call the, the Kentucky Derby. Uh, for those that don't know, and I have to research these things myself, uh, 80 to one means if you had placed a dollar, uh, I know we should be gambling all that, but I'm just, Hey, it's all part of the sports. I think, uh, 80, if you put a dollar on, uh, for this horse to win, you would have won 80. If you put $10, you would have won 800, right? That's how big of a long shot it was. If you put $100 down, you would have won, I think, 8,000. I think my real Honda prep math works that way. But so just an incredible, anytime I see, you see some kind of crazy upset or underdog, I, again, I don't care what the sport is. I, it, uh, you know, competition is competition and greatness is greatness. So I know it, it was an animal uh, running who gets this, uh, this great prize, but it's the jockey really who was, who was, um, you know, on top of the horse, pushing him. And, and so uh, congrats to uh, Rich Strike, 
which was the name, not strike rich, rich strike was the winning horse uh, on Saturday afternoon for the Kentucky Derby. And, and again, the Kentucky Derby is incredible seeing all of the, the people dressed up, the sights and the sounds, if you will. Uh, just It's one huge party, 100,000 people there at Churchill Downs in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And man, one of, the, one of the best visual, I'd say, sporting events of the year. And again, it's just that two-minute race, but there's so much buildup to it and so much money that, uh, that goes into that whole thing. And uh, un- unbelievable odds. To put it in perspective, the New York Jets currently are 80 to one odds to get to the Super Bowl, to win the AFC. So they, the Jets would uh, be being in the Super Bowl over Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, uh, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen. Uh, I think the Jets are probably the 16th or 15th uh, team in that 16 team AFC conference. So uh, that puts it in perspective as to how big of an upset, how crazy it is that this horse rich strike won the Kentucky Derby. It would be like the New York jets going to the super bowl this next year. So uh, go figure uh, the upsets did not finish uh, on Saturday afternoon. There was a huge upset Saturday night in the sport of boxing. One of my personal favorites, and it was Dimitri Bivol. Uh, the the Russian uh, light heavyweight who was undefeated going up against uh, boxing legend Canelo Alvarez, who was fighting up up in a weight class. He he currently he currently held all four belts in the uh, super middleweight division that he just recently won in his last fight. So he went up seven pounds to fight at 175, up from his 168 uh, most recent fight. And Dmitry Bivol, look at he was very skilled. He's undefeated, a guy that. Uh, was ready for this this fight, ready for the the, ta- the challenge. Uh, he took it to Canelo Alvarez, and and to to put it in perspective again, Dim- Dimitri Bivol, I think he what was he twelve and 0, 17 and 0, something like that. Hadn't fought a ton, but was undefeated. Canelo Alvarez has fought sixty times, I think now sixty one, but he was fifty seven one and two going into this fight. And I don't care who you are, if you have one loss on under your belt uh, in in sixty tries. I don't care what the sport is, if it's hopscotch, if it's uh, frog jumping, or I don't even know what the uh, badminton, whatever. That's pretty impressive. So Canelo went in there, and uh, I, I don't think there was any doubt that Dimitri Bivol won the fight. I mean, it was definitely it was at least eight four. I would argue probably nine three. Uh, I don't know if any scorecards had it ten to two, as you know they go by round basically. And uh, when they do win, when you do win around the when I win around the scoring is ten nine. If you knock someone down, it's ten eight. But basically, for us watching, we're always kind of like, oh yeah, it's two, three rounds in. Oh, it's two to one. You know, six rounds in. Oh, it's four to two. So I think it was easily nine three, uh, Bevel, and he had a great plan. And what I was most impressed with was just his demeanor, his game face. I mean, he didn't change at all. He didn't look intimidated. Uh, he didn't really do too much intimidating himself. He carried himself well and uh, took it to arguably one of the best uh, boxing fighters, best boxers we've ever seen. Uh, definitely someone who has uh, still has a lot, a lot to go, a lot to give. And uh, Dimitri Bivol, man, congrats on the light heavyweight championship uh, for taking down Canelo Alvarez you just you don't see Canelo lose that often and he's always worth the price of admission he's fun to see and I try to encourage people to, to check out fighting uh, all the time because there is so many great elements to it and uh, we, we saw some some so, someone say it wasn't a great fight it was just Bevel controlling it the entire time and Canelo has good defense and very quick head movement and everything but uh, Bevel took it to a man 
Canelo was up against the ropes. No one went down, but uh, it was just odd to see because I've never seen Canelo really not in control. And uh, Bevel, congrats to him. He's going to be uh, a, a big time fighter here down the road. I don't think he's done. We'll probably see a rematch here. And, and this brings me to a point about rematches. Boxing does this a lot. There's there's rematches in UFC too, but I personally believe if if you fight a world championship, a, a title fight, say it's number one versus number two, just for lack of a better term, if number uh, if no, say number two loses, number two loses to number one, so number one's still the champ, right? I don't think number two, or let's, let's flip it because two would usually win. And, and there's usually a rematch clause in these uh, contracts. If one loses, they shouldn't get the opportunity right away to fight uh, immediately to, to, to retake their belts. Cause then it's like, you could split and it's just like, okay, now do we need a third fight? It's sometimes there are, but I think whoever loses a title fight, you should have to win some other fight before you get a chance to retake the belt. That's just my opinion. I don't think it's right that, you know, there's guys who've kind of fought their way, pun intended, to get to that kind of rank number three, rank number four, whatever, to get a shot at a title. And then the guy who loses the title fight, he gets to automatically go right back into a title a title fight, not to defend his title, but to get it back or whatever. No, you shouldn't get to do that. You should have to fight uh, the next guy that's kind of in the mix before you go up and uh, get, get to take your belt back or get another shot at the title. Boxing does that probably more than the UFC. I don't, I don't love it. I don't like it, but I'd like to see instead of a rematch immediately, I think in all cases that just to simplify it, there should have to be at least one other fight uh, between someone, between guys uh, before there is between others, someone else before you end up uh, getting another chance, another opportunity. It's just one man's opinion. Don't destroy me, but uh, Dimitri Bivol, Man, I was impressed, um, had a good game plan, stayed aggressive. Canelo tried to get aggressive, but I, I don't know. I don't know if weight matters a ton. I mean, you wouldn't think seven pounds would change uh, a fighter that much, but uh, you know, I know I could use uh, seven times uh, four pounds or seven times five pounds uh, you know, lost, but to, to gain weight and fluctuate, it's, it's really fascinating to me to see fighters and, and their different performances at different weight levels. It's, it's really, really interesting. Uh, before I get to UFC, which was also on Saturday night, and uh, man, there were some great fights, probably the best knockout I've ever seen. But before I get to that, uh, the fight on Saturday night for uh, boxing was on DAZN, and I've preached about them before being a great uh, product. Uh, you pay $100 for the year, you get basically fights throughout the year, you get some boxing, you get uh, different shows, you get uh, um, What's the other MMA? Uh, I forgot the name, but it's uh, it's uh, it's the other uh, not UFC uh, octagon. Still in the octagon, tip of the tongue. I can't I can't remember. But anyway, DAZN, their big pitch for years was, hey, we're going to be a subscription based company, and uh, basically, uh, you you subscribe to our channel and you'll get all of the the fights. Uh, other people can join and pay a monthly fee or whatever, but pay-per-views going away and we're getting ahead of the game. So it was like, okay, kind of a good idea. Well, the problem was that they had to pay Canelo for it because he signed with, uh, with the zone and this boxing deal. So all of his fights were going on this channel where there wasn't stimulating pay-per-view money. So I guess they were losing money. They ended up doing the first ever the zone pay-per-view event on Saturday night. And so for, for us boxing fans, not only is it a hundred dollars for the year to, to get this channel, uh, which you promised to provide, you know, big fights throughout the year. But then 
you have to pay an additional $60 just for this event. If you're a member, if you weren't a member, you paid $80, which was the standard kind of pay-per-view price. And it's like, wait a minute, you're trying to rob your customers now. How many customers are going are gonna to stick with your subscription now that you've gone this route? I would think most people would be like, I'm not paying a subscription and then a special price. Like that would be like buying NFL Sunday ticket uh, which I do and, and pay the 300, whatever it is for the year. And then a special Sunday night game. They're like, Hey, this is the bills and, uh, and uh, chief. So you're going to have to pay an extra 50 bucks just for this game. So I thought it was a very bad business deal and uh, look at, they're losing money. They got to do something, but it was very infuriating. Uh, and so I have, we'll say various ways to watch, uh, watch fights. And um, I have some access that, that I'm very grateful for. Uh, but um, yeah, the, the, the whole DAZN thing, they better figure it out or, or they might find themselves out of, uh, out of a, a job, find themselves out of just kind of fading off and, and becoming the new CNN plus. We don't want any of that. Right. Uh, real quick to UFC, UFC 274, some amazing fights. The fight of the night was definitely Michael Chandler uh, knocking out Tony Ferguson. If you guys have not seen this, go on YouTube and check it out. It was the best kick KO I've ever seen. And it wasn't one of those roundhouse ones or sidekicks, right? He was staring him straight up and just like a punter, like a great Johnny Hecker 90 yard punt. He just went straight up into his chin. He hit him perfect. Uh, Ferguson's hands were a little wide, I think. And he just split the guard really with his leg and boom, knocked him out. I mean, he was out cold before he hit the ground. And uh, Chandler just started doing backflips and celebrating. And Oh my goodness, what a KO. Best kick KO I've ever seen. Unbelievable. Uh, the, the main event of the night was Charles Oliveira uh, taking on Justin Gaethje. And Ga- Gaethje's a, definitely a great contender, and, and Oliveira is pretty skilled himself. But the, the, the story from this fight, uh, Oliveira ended up submitting, you know, KOing Gaethje, but Oliveira missed weight. And so he, he was overweight at the weigh-in by half a pound, wasn't able to lose that half a pound in the hour grace period, I guess they give you after the weigh-in. So this was a title fight. Uh, Oliveira could not uh, retain the belt that he had previously had. So even if he won the fight, which he did, he didn't get to keep the belt. The belt was is now vacant. And so Gaethje could have won had he won the belt. But it, it brings up an interesting element of fighting where, you know, it, you always weigh in the day before. And most guys, you know, gain a bunch of weight after the weigh-in, right? But, uh, and there's a science to it and everything. But just the concept of you don't make weight. So then you can go, you still get to fight, but the fight's not going to count. It, it, it's just the whole thing. I think you still get paid and everything, but uh, he was celebrating Oliveira was and running around and he went up to Dana White and you could just read Dana White saying, but you didn't make weight. You didn't make weight. And so, uh, you know, you hate to see it. You hate to see that. It, I don't, I can't even put that into perspective for like another sport where it would be like, uh, Hey, so you didn't officially make the requirements for this, but you still get to play, but you can't win the game. You can win the game, but it won't count on your record. Like, can you imagine? That would be really weird. Maybe with some of this uh, COVID stuff we saw the past year, like, hey, he, he okay, uh, you didn't test for five days or you didn't take your COVID test, so you can play, but it's not going to count. I don't even think there is a, a, a similar analogy there. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it was just weird to see, but a great night, a great day of sports Saturday uh, afternoon with the, the Derby race and then UFC and boxing at the same time. And, and I just, it, it drives me nuts guys. I tell you this every year, uh, every so often boxing and UFC, they, they fight each other on this. Why you do this to us fans. 
is crazy where you have not just the same events going on at the same time, but then you have simultaneous pay-per-view events. I mean, in this economy, what are we doing, guys? In this in this Biden inflation economy, you've got to know that, hey, hey, most people can't afford one pay-per-view, let alone two. It's either groceries or a boxing pay-per-view on a Saturday night. Oh, never mind. Let's not have gas either. Let's have a second pay-per-view with UFC. So yeah, we're okay. We're not, we're not, we don't have groceries and we don't have gas this week because, because we're going to watch your events. Come on. That's not fair to the American people. And just another example of the, the tragedy of the past uh, 18 months, put that to the list, the cost of pay-per-views going through the roof. And uh, I never see that on the, on the, uh, the list of, of items that have gone up and such, I mean, $80 for a pay-per-view. And, and again, I'm fortunate to have some access we'll say, and uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. But yeah, I, I, I will say pay-per-views are very expensive and I try to pay as little of them as possible and uh, have other options. Uh, it could be going somewhere. It could be other things. I'll leave it at that. So uh, come on, UFC and boxing, stop fighting on the same night. One of you do Saturday. One of you do Sunday. I still think Sunday would be gorgeous. Can we do a little, little noon start? We could do happy hours, a little brunch. Come on, a brunch boxing. That would be awesome. Why, why can't I be in charge? I, I would really like to be in charge someday. Okay. So, just through the roof. I mean, between that zone forking out, you know, making us fork out all kinds of money and, and uh, UFC, I just, uh, but up uh, in next weekend, I'll be tuning in and, you know, watching guys fight each other. It's, it's what I love to do. It's what I love to see. Uh, I forgot. And you know what, this is typical of me, Matt Hurston. I, I wanted to start this show uh, talking about mother's day, uh, but it, this kind of fits everything together, if you will, uh, which is interesting. Uh, kind of fits with one of my stories, you know, it's, it's, it's typical of me to get into sports before I honor, uh, I honor mothers out there or talk about, you know, my mom specifically. So uh, sorry, mom and sorry, mothers out there for not uh, putting more emphasis and doing the Mother's Day segment. Uh, first, I, again, when I recorded yesterday, I did in fact do that I did the Mother's Day segment uh, first and and eventually got to the big sporting events that I, that I talked about. But anyway, uh, happy Mother's Day to everyone. It is Monday. Now you guys are hearing this Tuesday. Uh, I uh, enjoyed my mother's day. It was a sneaky, good sports day. I'll say that we had uh, obviously uh, a lot of major league baseball. The Dodgers were on Sunday night baseball. There were some NBA playoff games. I of course watched plenty of college baseball and then uh, in the, had the USFL game on and then the LA Kings at seven o'clock tied the series up uh, to, to, you know, take us around third and home safe for the end of the weekend, I guess. And so that was awesome. I also finished, uh, the final episode of Winning Time, the LA Lakers, the Rise of the Lakers, uh, not documentary, but uh, drama, I'd say, uh, on HBO. It's fantastic. Can't wait for the next season. John C. Riley, man, what a performance. What a performance by everybody. The guys who play Magic Johnson, Jerry West, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, everyone in the show is just fantastic. And I heard a great quote from John C. Riley uh, in an interview he was doing. And he just said, yeah, I've, I've always felt, or he heard it from someone, but he said, worry is negative prayer. And I was like, man, that really hit me. Cause I'm a, I'm a total worry, worry guy. I worry about everything. And when you worry about stuff, it doesn't really, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't make it faster or, you know, uh, less painful. Sometimes you worrying is kind of this, just this anxious, this anxiety. And, and I'm, I'm guilty of that so much. I, it's kind of what pushes me is in a way, I, this anxiety and this worry. Uh, but I got to bring it down sometimes and realize, Hey, 
you, you're, you're killing your insides by doing that stuff. So I thought that was a great quote and the winning time show. Oh, so good. Again, uh, definitely viewer discretion advice, but uh, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And they took some license, some liberties, right. With the artistic license and such, but uh, I, I enjoyed it. Can't wait for season two. And I know it's already in the works, but the Kings rallied late to wrap up the weekend. I was just like, man, what a, what a great day. But anyway, back to mother's day, right. My original point. So uh, you guys all know uh, who know me, you know, my mom's been gone for quite some time since 2008, which is just crazy to think about. I can't believe it's been that long. And I think of her every day and, and mother's day is always a little hard, but I have a little tradition of mine that I've shared with you guys before on the pod and, and uh, I've kept it going. And, and yesterday, Sunday was, was no different. Spent a, spent about 30 minutes getting out of the house and going to a partake in my mother's day tradition that, started a long time ago and it was back. It, it stemmed from a, a story when I was like probably 10 years old, maybe 11 max, uh, definitely not in junior high yet. And my brother was three years younger than me and we all went to church on mother's day. And, and, you know, when my parents couldn't take us to church, we get rides from our coaches and you'd always stop at AMPM or seven 11, uh, circle K or something like that to get a you know hot dog or a soda or ice cream. And it was like your reward, right. For going to church weekly. Well, uh, this particular Mother's Day and, you know, the big holidays it was great to go to church with the with the family, get photos and all that stuff. My dad happened to be working overtime. So it was just the three of us. And we told mom after after uh, and the family, that was one of the favorite things about church, too. When we went to family, we'd go to these uh, lunches uh, afterwards, usually watch a Laker game, right? That 1230 uh, afternoon game on a- ABC or NBC. And it was just like, man, life is good. That was or, of course, the NFL games. Uh, but this particular mother's day we me and sam we we told mom hey mom we're gonna take you we're taking you to lunch and we're gonna pay for it you know and when you're a kid if you have four or five dollars in your pocket you're that's gold right you're rich like you think man life is good i can get two sodas with this stuff so we took my mom and we she's driving and i said hey turn right here turn left here anyway we ended up going to ampm mini mart because they had hot dogs they had cheeseburgers and they were like 90 cents right so you could get a hot dog and some chips and a big soda and ice cream. And man, that was what, like three fifty. So uh, Sam and I, we pulled our money together. We bought mom uh, those items and uh, we ate out there on the hood of the car on mother's day. And my mom told me every single mother's day when she was around, she said, you know, to this day, that was still my very favorite mother's day. It was my favorite, just my boys buying me, buying me the good stuff at AM PM, the too much good stuff. Right. And so that shows you how cool my mom was too, that, uh, you know, it would have been nice to take her somewhere really nice, but she just loved the, uh, the thought that we put into it and, and that we gave basically much like, uh, the, the parable, right. Of the, the, this is the widow who gives, you know, the two, the two pennies and, uh, God, uh, Jesus was like, Hey, that I'm probably butchering this, but, uh, said, uh, well, who gave more? And she, you know, some rich guy gave a bunch of money and, and Jesus was like, well, she gave more, uh, because she gave all that she had. And I, I always remember that when I do have uh, some loose change or a couple dollar bills in, in my pocket, I, I always think back to that, but anyway, not to toot my own horn, but when we were young, uh, we did that for my mom and she always remembered it. So since she passed away in, in 2008, the first few mother's day is very hard, but, uh, I've made the effort to always, Find an AMPM, no matter what city I was in, because I was gone a lot for baseball season, college baseball, professional baseball. So no matter the state, the state, no matter the city, always found an AMPM, and uh, you know, begrudgingly bought bought a hot dog, bought some chips, bought a coke, and 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 sit out there on the uh, the hood of the car, and uh, 
just think, think I'm a mom and, and, um, you know, of that fun memory. And that's, that's how I spend mother's day, how I will always spend uh, mother's day, at least at some point. And I can't believe how much I thought AMP as a kid, AMPM cheeseburgers and hot dogs, like how good they were as a kid, you know, cause you're, you're 80, they're 80 cents or whatever. Oh man, they're so bad. They're so bad. But every year I got to have one uh, just cause it's a tra- just tradition. Traditions matter. Right. So, uh, mother's day tradition, happy mother's day, mom, always thinking. Of- and then, so back to the computer, uh, I, I recorded, right. The pod, I have it all set. I posted it. And then of course I'm listening to it and the, uh, the audio goes out and I'm thinking, thanks a lot, mom. Like she, I knew she had something to do with this. I just know. And it, it started on Sunday morning. I got up, I went to go do some laundry, the laundry mat. I was going to drop the car, uh, drop the laundry off go get gas, get it washed, come back. By that time, I'd switch loads. Didn't want to waste time, right? So I put the laundry in the laundry machine, go out to my car. And, and when I had gotten the car, it said low tire pressure. I'm like, what, what, what is this from? So I looked and of course I have a flat and uh, it wasn't all the way flat, but it was a big nail in there. And I'm just chuck. I started laughing because I'm again, I'm thinking about my mom. I'm like, really mom, Mother's Day? You had something to do with this. I just know you did. Just she, This is the kind of person she was. She's always like messing with Sam and I giving us uh, you know, toying with us. And she always knew everything. I don't know how they did that, but, uh, man, moms, I tell you. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the flat tire. And of course it's Sunday. So nothing's open. It's mother's day. I'm going to flat tire on mother's day. So, you know, that I couldn't like get it fixed. That's just hilarious. Whether it's, uh, whether it's uh, God pulling the, you know, pulling the levers up there or, or whatever's going on. But I found that funny. I tried to make the most of it and uh, put the spare on and, and got it all fixed uh, on Monday. So no harm, no foul. And uh, we move on. But uh, I, I chuckled a little bit. And th- that was kind of my mother's day and, and how it went. And uh, yeah, watching some great sports, watched the Lakers show and th- thought of my mom there for a short while. And so uh, it, it was a good time. Uh, I can't have mother's day though, without rocking some uh, Carly Simon. So sitting there watching some sports, had some Carly Simon going. My mom's one of my mom's favorite singers. So I had that uh, music going, just a few of those songs. And that always kind of makes me think back to her and, and her singing along too. So uh, the, probably the only time, well, not the only time when I miss my mom a little bit, I always throw on some Carly Simon. Cause uh, I remember sitting in the car riding with her and my mom would always tell me, Oh, it's Carly Simon. And she knew every word, to every song. Uh, lastly about mother's day. So this kind of ties into me doing sports first and not, not doing the mother's day topic uh, first, you know, when I was in high school, me and my buddy, Bill Ritter, we were always trying to get to Dodger games. Always. I mean, there was a point in my life where I was definitely a bigger Dodger fan than Rams fan specifically because they were here in LA. And so it meant more to me and got to go to games. And anyway, uh, so we were always talking about going to, to Dodger games and there's, I've told you guys before about loving Sunday night baseball, how special Sunday night baseball always was. I was usually doing a lot of like homework, but there was something about the end of the week, Sunday night baseball, the only game uh, on. And so when the Dodgers played the giants often, that game would be Sunday night baseball. Well, well me always looking ahead on the schedule. I saw, Hey man, in, in, in May, the Dodgers giants, Sunday night baseball, we got to get to that game. So we got tickets. And I remember the week of the game, uh, somehow it came up and, and uh, I mentioned it and my dad kind of gave me the look like you're going to a Dodger game on mother's day. I'm going, Oh, Oh, I guess I double booked here. Didn't I? I was like, mother's day. Isn't that like every other year they have that holiday. I'm just kidding. 
just kidding. But as a high school boy, you know, it's like the last thing you're thinking about is doing something nice for your, for your mom. And my dad put me in my place and was just like, I don't think that's right. I don't think you should do that. And I was just like, but dad, I bought the tickets and it's, it's the giants, <laughs> you know? So, um, my mom was so awesome and we, we did something in the morning and the, in the afternoon even. And then I finally got to break away and then get to that five o'clock game uh, on mother's day back when I was, I don't know, a junior or senior in high school. And I, I do regret that I did that. Um, but you know, it, it does make for a funny story of typical high school boy putting Dodger baseball ahead of uh, his mom on mother's day. And my dad rightfully so put me in my place. And uh, I had, I definitely had to earn, 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 uh, my way out to, right. I had to do the good deeds first. And my mom was just awesome that way. Just, she always, she always understood where I was at, like what I wanted to do, what it would mean to me to go do something. And she knew that I loved her and, and wasn't trying to push her aside. And it was an honest mistake. And, um, and of course, when I got home late that night, she was there waiting as she always did with the light on, always worried about us getting home. And, uh, yeah, that was a, a fond mother's day for me as well. And it brings me to a point where I am, this is why that single event is a big reason why to this day, I am a huge schedule guy. I will know far in advance as best I can, uh, random, uh, random dates and events. Like, uh, I, I will know that, um, what month the NFL, when I talked a few weeks ago about Care Youth League and Rio, always scheduling things. And I'd be like, how could you schedule this on the night of a Lakers playoff game? Or, or how could you schedule, how could you have the spring festival during, uh, you know, Dodgers? Like I just knew. And it started me at that age to like, look way ahead and be like, uh, it, we could be in uh, October. And I'd be like, April 20 something. Yeah. That, those three, that's going to be the NFL draft. Or I'd be like, uh, the early part of June, that's the college world or late part of June. Uh, that's going to be the college world series. Like I kind of knew in advance and it was the running joke. And like, I think RHLA, when, when guys would ask about, would we be scheduling things to be like, Matt, what about this date? And I'd be like, uh, no, absolutely not. That is, uh, the, the college football national championship game is on that Monday where you're not doing anything on that Monday. Uh, so that's what it stems from me. Not liking conflict. I like to, to schedule uh, schedule out the conflict and be able to sit down and, uh, and watch a game. You know what I mean? So thanks mom. You taught me a valid lesson. Uh, before I forget Valerie, uh, you know, she said three beautiful words to me um, the other day that I had to share with you guys. And I told her, I said, you know what? That's what every guy really does want to hear. I mean, it was, what night was it? It was, uh, might've been Friday night. Yeah. Friday. I, I, I went and watched some, uh, high school baseball playoffs with some umpire buddies and had a good time, came home and, you know, her and I uh, hung out a bit and, and I was kind of itching to go watch uh, the Kings game. Right. And they ended up getting killed. But Valerie said those three words that I, I truly, you know, it, it's moments like this where you just, you very much appreciate the one you're with uh, and uh, you know, the love of your life. And it just, it opens your eyes to, uh, to bigger things. And just like, I couldn't, you know, girls want to hear three certain words and, and, and guys, we want to hear three certain words. And, and she said it and it just, the, they just, it just flowed out of, out of her mouth. It just flowed off her lips and into my heart forever. And uh, she, she, we were in the same room and she said, uh, she said, uh, enjoy your game or go watch your game. I think it was go watch. That's four words. No, it was enjoy your game. And I was just like, oh, you mean that? <laughs> 
you really mean that? Enjoy, enjoy your game. Enjoy my game. I was just like, wow, you're a keeper. You're a keeper and you're someone who could educate, educate other ladies around, around the world about how to truly speak to, to your, to your guy, to your man. And uh, I, of course, I told her all this before I told you guys all this, and she's rolling her eyes going, you know, you're an idiot. But I said, no, no, no. You told me the three magic words. Enjoy, enjoy your game. I was like, babe, that means so much to me uh, from your lips to my heart. Oh, truly breathtaking. Got to tell you, fellas, love that woman. Anyway, on to other things now. Um, Let me see. Oh, so I posted this. I saw this on the, one of the USFL games I was watching, by the way, USFL 35 second play clock. And it's, and, and they, they talk about, Oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be, it, it speeds the game up more plays. Uh, yeah. It, it, more snaps, more excitement. The problem is that in the NFL is a 40, 40 second play clock. College football is a 40 second play clock. If the best in the world need 40 seconds to, to call a play generally, then what, what do you think a minor league team can do it for? One thing I appreciated about minor league baseball and major league baseball is that generally the rules are the exact same professional baseball rules. Like there weren't a whole lot of quirks and things of that nature. So we knew what we were working is, is what, you know, they're doing up in the big leagues. Right. And when I was in the minors and so uh, this 35 second play clock, cool, good in theory. But when I'm watching these games, I always see them racing to call a play. They're disorganized. They they're, they're hurrying. There's a lot of delay of game penalties. And I think, you're making them hurry too quickly. And so plays are getting in late. It's just disorganized. And why would you want guys to be disorganized, not running plays smoothly when, you know, these guys are trying to extend their careers. They're trying to get a look by some of these NFL teams. Right. And, and it's just, I think the, the, the idea, the idea behind the rule in theory. Oh yeah. That's a great idea. 35 second play clock. But then when you put it into practice, it's like, no, this isn't good. This isn't a good product. It's making the game worse. And some people will say, well, just give it, uh, just give it time. They'll adjust. And I, I guess, but I mean, we're four weeks into this thing and every game I've seen, it's been the same thing over and over again. So a lot of rule changes. I, I see them immediately in the works and I'm just, uh, I just, I'm like, no, no, this, this can't, we can't stand for this. Uh, but I posted on social media that, um, uh, excuse me. Oh, because the USFL team missed an extra point to lose the game. And I said something, I'm missing an extra point to lose a game is brutal. Probably the worst way to lose a game. Let's start a list. And I got some, some, uh, interaction here from you guys, from a few different, uh, uh, friends and, and, and fans of the podcast, um, walk off walk. I agree. Like watching ball four and then, you know, for the bases loaded walk, it's kind of anticlimactic and it's great when they run out of the dugout and they're like, jumping all over the guy who looked at ball four, like he did something great. Um, let me see Joe Deemers. I went to a game that ended in a bases loaded Bach. Yeah. A, a Bach. That's pretty, that's pretty bad. Like just a flinch or something. I actually, I actually ended a college game one time on a walk-off Bach, a Bach off. Uh, it was a runner on third a winning run. And the pitcher like uh, blew through, blew through a set and look at as an umpire, you never, and I mean, never, you never want a uh, Bach in, uh, a run really, uh, especially a game winning run, game tying run. You just, you don't want to do that. You want to let the players decide as they always say. Right. But uh, some things you can't ignore, <laughs> you know, when it's something's blatant, you got to call it. And uh, I did that day. So yeah, that's pretty bad. Chris flag, not making weight 
to forfeit your title belt. I, I talked about that in the UFC. Great point. That is a tough way to lose. Even though he did win, he didn't get to keep his belt. Vince Flores, I tell you, these Raider fans, guys, my, my buddy Vince uh, just continues to, to be mad about the, the, um, the Brady Tuck rule, uh, the, the, uh, the fumble. He says, having the official rule incomplete when everyone knew it was a fumble, the nation, I'm going, you're killing me. Uh, Biff Polanski, a walk-off two-point conversion attempt, return for a touchdown by the defensive team. I saw this happen in person when the Ravens beat the Browns on Monday Night Football. I do remember that. I think the Browns were up one and they were going for two to extend the lead by three uh, with, you know, under a minute left or something. And the ball was uh, picked off or a fumble or something. And the Ravens went all the way and uh, take, took it to the house, two points to, uh, to win the game. Or maybe it was tied and it was a blocked extra point. Can't remember exactly. Uh, Sal Cirillo, Mayweather versus Ortiz. I'll just leave this right here. Uh, great point. Uh, if you guys haven't seen that, Mayweather versus Ortiz. Ortiz, I think, accidentally headbutts him. And then as they're going to start the next round, Ortiz like goes in to hug him and say, hey, I'm sorry, man. And Mayweather kind of brief, brief hugs him and then cracks him, knocks him out uh, unconscious. And uh, that's how he won that fight. It was kind of kind of Bush League, as you guys learned last week what that term means. But uh, hey, the rules are rules. And he didn't protect himself at all times. Uh, wild pitch to the backstop with the runner on third. Very tough way to lose. A half-court buzzer beater. Yeah. I actually lost in fifth grade to the Atlantic Pirates on a half-court buzzer beater. Triple-A basketball. I'm still mad about it. Robert Tatum. Ugh, nothing but net, man. Avenge. Uh, avenged us. Avenged their football loss to us. Uh, oh, I'm still mad about that. It was – how old am I now? 37. I was uh, 11 years old. Wow. 26 years ago. <laughs> I still see that it, the, the horror it haunts me in my, in my uh, nightmares. Uh, Nick Gonzalez kick six, the iron bowl. Yes. In the Alabama Auburn game years ago, when it was tied, Alabama tried to kick a 50 something yard field goal. I think uh, Chris Davis caught it in the back of the end zone for Auburn went 109 yards on the last play of the game to, uh, to beat the uh, Alabama in the iron bowl. That was one of the craziest endings ever. Dave Ramos, the phantom head slap penalty. And of course, Dave is referring to, the 1995 CIF championship at Rio Hondo Prep, where they lost 28 to 26 to Antelope Valley Christian. The first CIF championship game I attended. Yes, a bad call that extended the Antelope Valley Christian drive where they would uh, they end up beating the Cares there. A tough way to lose for those seniors, that class of, of 96. But the Rio Hondo Prep football dynasty kept going after that. They won three straight titles and uh, five in uh, six years after that phantom head slap. So maybe it propelled Rio to uh, never leaving any doubt after that. But yeah, that's a good one, Dave. Uh, let me see. Half court buzzer beater after a scramble and a loose ball. In the wrong basket, Todd McCraven. Oh, my goodness. So I could see that happening. Having refed a bunch of games, there's a mad scramble, the loose ball, and someone in the, in the confusion grabs the ball. They get turned around, and they just heave it, and it ends up going in the wrong basket. That's a brutal way to lose. Uh, Tracy McFate spiking the ball to stop the clock on fourth down. I saw this at Chafee College about 25 years ago. I have seen that a few different times. Um, I've also seen it where – referees end up losing the down because when you spike it, that's an incomplete pass, right? In football. So if you spike it on first down, you got to be clear to the crew. Hey, this one is second down. Now, second down immediately after a spike, I would make eye contact with each guy. Hey, second down now, right? You don't want to lose it down because that is a lot of times when that happens. But in Tracy's case, Chafee spiked the ball on fourth down again, turnover on downs. The ball goes to the other team. 
Uh, I've seen that at various levels too, uh, throughout football history. That is a tough and brutal way to lose. So guys, if you have any suggestions or stories or memories of, of uh, we're all, we're all fans, right? And sometimes as fans, we remember the worst losses because they hurt so bad and we don't want to feel that way again. And most of us will say, Oh, no one loses like the Rams or oh, no one loses like the jets. No one loses. Like everyone thinks their team loses the worst. Right. And maybe these were games where you weren't even a participant or a fan. I should say you participated in or had a family member, some junior high girls basketball game or some little league baseball game. Like um, I'm sure you guys have seen it all. I know I've seen a lot of tough ways to lose myself. So uh, if you have any ideas or suggestions or, uh, stories of, of worst losses ever, worst ways to lose. Hey, send me an email, get home safe podcast at yahoo.com. Uh, that would be great to, uh, to hear a few of those things. Um, before I get into, uh, our baseball section of the, the, uh, podcast here, I'm calling it the bottom of the ninth, kind of, as I wrap up the, the, the shows on Tuesdays, where I get into the baseball topics, I talk about the baseball slang terms that I started about a month ago and, and also going doing a little deep dive into a baseball rule every week. I've gotten some good feedback, so I'm going to continue to do that. Uh, but yeah, in the, in the episode notes, I usually call it in the bottom of the ninth. I think that's a great way to, uh, to label that segment uh, of the podcast here. But before I get into that, um, I was uh, reached out, reached out to, I was uh, contacted, we'll say by somebody who said, Hey, um, m- uh, the month of May is mental health awareness month. And it might be cool to talk about that and give a shout out to those who, who are struggling. And, and yeah, I thought it was a good idea to, to mention that I, I do kid a lot. I do, you know, I, I, I tease and I, I kind of talk about how soft our society is. And, and we always have a day for every we have cheeseburger day. We have Kool-Aid day. We have this month and that month. And so I get a little overwhelmed with that stuff. And I'm just like, okay, enough is enough. We, we got to stop with all this stuff, but all kidding aside, I do know that there are a lot of people who struggle uh, with mental health in some form or another. Uh, I think if we're honest, all of us have something in there, something in our mind that kind of uh, it, it, it makes our lives a little more difficult and, and how we respond to those things or where the people we're around, the people we talk to is definitely what gets us through things. So I know some people struggle more than others. And I also know, and this is what really angers me is when people, I think it's my opinion, uh, they use it as like, uh, they use it as a crutch. And I've seen a lot of professional athletes who are making millions of dollars and want to tell you know me how hard their life is, how hard their day is. And, and I just don't think you can relate that much to people. I'm not, I don't ever want to say that someone's lying or, or using something uh, as an advantage, but I do think much like uh, other issues in our world and our crazy times that we're in is anytime someone kind of a, a, abuses a, a, a cause or abuses um, you know, prejudice, something that's prejudice or whatever. Like, I think it really does take away from the real issues out there. When, when we kind of water down what, uh, uh, what cheating, for example, what cheating is, we water down what cheating is. Then I think it really takes away from, uh, the people that are suffering, uh, from those who've cheated against them. You know, I'm not just I'm talking relationships, but sports, you know, that's just an example. So uh, I do know there's people out there who struggle with uh, on the mental side of things. And sometimes we, we, we medicate in different ways that, you know, we shouldn't. And, um, you know, if, if we've learned anything the past two years from this whole COVID uh, craze and this hysteria, in my opinion, not denying science, just saying uh, our reaction to all this stuff. I, I do think there has been a great deal of uh, 
of negative uh, negativity put on a lot of people and a lot of mental uh, health struggles out there. There is something to be said of like, dude, quit crying, pick it up. You know, there is a time and a place for that. And there's also, there's also some real people that do struggle. Um, and I, and I hate the people that, you know, are having a tough time, but it's just like those, some of these people, it's like, dude, you got to toughen up a little bit. You can't be scared to go outside, like get outside. You're going to be fine. And then there are people who, uh, you know, have struggled with suicide and things. I heard, I didn't want to get too political today, but I did hear that. Uh, I don't, I, di- I didn't write down the, um, the source, my apologies, but I heard that more people under the age of 65 died of suicide than COVID the past year. More people under 65 died of suicide than COVID. Um, I, if anyone wants to fact check me on that, please do so. Uh, if not, I will try to get the official source on that. But I think that really says something that there are people who are struggling and, and this whole thing that's happened the past two years, uh, the, the mass, the, the social distancing, the shutting down of the lockdown. I think that has had a tremendous effect on a lot of people's mental health. And for those of you that, that do continue to uh, push forward and, and work hard and kind of go about your lives without letting people, you know, that you're struggling, Hey, keep on keeping on. Um, we're thinking, we're thinking of you, we're praying, uh, for you. And you know what, for those of us that need a little kick, a little kick in the pants, sometimes we'd be like, you know what? There's other, there's other people truly suffering out there and I need to pick it up on my end. I know I, I need that a lot of times. I miss those coaches yelling at me. You know, I, I hear Mr. Drain's voice every now and then. I'm like, okay, I got I to gotta pick it up. No one cares if my ankle hurts or whatever. Uh, or my, you know, when I stubbed my toe the other day and, you know, I, I get injured all the time, guys, just walking around. That's why it's important for me to just like sit and watch games. It's so much safer. Uh, anyway, now I said one more thing, but I'll say one more thing before one thing. Uh, before the baseball segment here, LeBron James, you know, I couldn't go a whole show without talking about LeBron James, the chosen one, the great King, the only, the only King in, uh, in LA are the ones that wear skates. That's right. John, Jonathan quick, just Dustin Brown and the boys, LeBron, the King. Oh, when he, look, I was such a big Laker fan. I don't think you guys understand this. Eldon Campbell, Nick Van Exel, Cedric Sabalos. These are my people. These are the people I rooted for. Yeah, it was great seeing the, the Lakers win the three-peat in the early 2000s and, and two more later. But ah, the kid, I, I, I grew up right after the Showtime Lakers, the 90s Lakers. If you're a 90s Lakers fan like I, like I grew up with, you guys know. You guys know. It's being so close. Anyway, love the Lakers. Maybe someday I, I will again. You know, we're just on a sabbatical. Because when LeBron James came to the Lakers, I said, nope, not doing it. I refuse. And uh, I think I was right. I think looking back now, we have four years of data with Mr. LeBron James. You know, he, he gets overly political. He talks too much. Uh, He's a, he's a victim. Uh, Go on. So on and so on. You guys know how I feel about him. But if you look at the data of LeBron James, they better not hang his Jersey on those rafters either. I don't care how good he was on other teams and he's going to be a hall of famer. He is not a Laker. LeBron is not a Laker. Get that out of here. I know some of you people are, Oh, no. Have standards. Take a stand. LeBron James does not belong in the Laker rafters. All right. So four years of LeBron James on the Lakers. Of those four years, you know how many road playoff wins LeBron has? One. Not series. Wins. You know how many home playoff wins 
LeBron James has for the Los Angeles Lakers in four years? One. That's right. He has one road win in the playoffs and one home win in the playoffs. Look it up. Last year against the Phoenix Suns, which they lost the series four games to two. And his first year with the Lakers, they didn't make the playoffs. The chosen one. I don't know how they missed the playoffs. And then this last year, we all know the joke of a team that was. Missed the playoffs. 10 out of 15 teams go to the playoffs in each conference. I think it's 15, uh, 30, 30 teams. But anyway, and as someone's going, Matt, what are you talking about? The COVID year, the, 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 the championship. Yes, they won the AAU tournament in the Disney wild world of sports, a neutral site for everyone where they were well rested. They had months off where they were sorting out everything, how they're going to do the bubble. Didn't have to deal with road, you know, uh, crazy road environments. Didn't have to travel. Sure, they had to eat bad cafeteria food, but whatever. Toughen up. And so, yeah, they got hot and they won the NBA championship. And I mean, in quotes, the NBA championship. Because if you don't put an asterisk by that championship, then there should never be an asterisk asterisk, uh, anywhere in sports. Because that championship is completely different. I feel the same way about the Dodgers championship in 2020. I think the Dodgers earned it more than the Lakers did in 2020. But the LeBron James-led Lakers in four years, four years, sure, one asterisk championship in an AAU tournament. Two other years didn't make the playoffs. And the, other, the one year they did go to the playoffs, uh, they were done in six games. One road win, one away win. So when you look at LeBron James and how wonderful and special he is, and I always, everyone wants to show me all the highlights and all the, and I know Kobe at the end of his career, uh, you know, not much success in the postseason and such. But I just continue to provide you guys evidence about LeBron James and his lack of Laker greatness, we'll say. And for those of you that want to put him in the rafters, that's disgraceful. There have been a m- many Laker greats. LeBron James does not belong up there among those jerseys. One man's opinion, you don't have to like it. I just throw it out there, let you guys react. Here comes the hate mail. But for all those people that were worship, well, I hated, I hated LeBron, and then he came to Lakers, and like, oh, I have to root for him. I don't want to, but no. Sometimes you take a stand. You say, no, I won't do it. And you know what? I feel good about my decision. I will see more Laker championships down the road. I will see him and I'll be able to root for him. But the past few years, haven't been into the NBA much anyway. And uh, LeBron James has been playing for the Los Angeles Lakers, has been the, uh, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, the, the, the deciding factor in me not having to uh, root for the purple and gold. I can take a break. You can take breaks as a fan just because you step aside. We all need breathers. We all need to, hey, you were in college and you took a semester off. Some of us uh, dated someone and, hey, we hey, I need a break. Sometimes you need a break from your fanhood for hopefully good reasons, like I did. Okay, that rant went long enough. Let's go to some baseball talk. The bottom of the ninth inning of the Get Home Safe podcast today. And there's uh, a, a slang term, a couple slang, ter- slang terms I want to uh, talk about today with you guys and it's tied into our baseball rule of the day um, you guys know it's playoff baseball time in high school we've seen some high school playoff games uh, i wanted to tell you guys about something that i've mentioned before but 
Um, it's, it's, if you're looking for really good competition, again, playoff competition in any, any sport, any level, uh, I, I just love to see, I have the opportunity to umpire some of these. Um, this is just a notch above high school, but still it's an exciting environment. It's intense. I love the format. Uh, and I'm talking about community college baseball in California. I'm going to talk specifically about the Southern California matchups, but if you're looking for games, you're looking for something different, maybe you can't afford the Dodger game, or you want to try something that's like, Hey, it's not just some random game in the month of May, but a playoff game with intense competition, do or die. Uh, check out the, the community college super regionals upcoming this weekend. They started last weekend with 16 teams here in the South. So, you know, one versus 16 and so on. And it's what's great about it, which I like better than high school is it's a three game series. So you play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, obviously, whoever wins two out of three, they advance. So this weekend is super regionals. It's again, same thing, uh, four different head to head matchups. The winners of that advance to then next week, which is the sectional. Um, so there will be four teams next week. And out of those four teams, there'll be two teams that advance to the state finals where they will meet two other teams from the North. Uh, and then it's a four team kind of double elimination uh, thing up in uh, Northern California somewhere. That's how California determines a state champion in uh, community college baseball. So a uh, couple, four sites, I should say this weekend to go check out. If you're in the area, if you're looking for something Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, again, it, there may not be a game three on Sunday if there's a, if it's two game sweep. So uh, get out to a ball game here uh, on Saturday, maybe for a decisive game. Uh, if, if you, if you check out a game and get back to me, let me know what you thought. Uh, again, I'm just suggesting something that you guys might enjoy. Uh, there's games at Saddleback college down in, uh, San Juan Capistrano, Santa Ana college. That's not too far there in orange County Riverside, uh, RCC out in the East and in Glendale at, uh, I think they still play at Stangle field there in Glendale, a, an old ballpark that they've done some renovations to Glendale, a very underrated uh, baseball program in uh, Southern California. They don't always have any, you know, big time uh, uh, power bats or, or, you know, big time recruits or anything, but they're a team that always plays just uh, really fundamental baseball and always uh, makes a good run in the postseason. So there's four sites there for you guys this weekend. If you're looking for it, you want to go to an angel game, but you, you know, you can't afford it or, or you just want to try something different, take your kids to something that they might enjoy, see a playoff intense atmosphere. Uh, I encourage you go check out some of these junior college, uh, uh, playoff games this weekend. Okay. To the two uh, rules, or I should say uh, the slang section, right? We talk about baseball terminology, baseball, uh, the baseball language, right? On the ball field. Uh, that, that segment today followed up by our baseball rule that we're going to learn something about. They're both related. They're both tied in. And um, the, the terms we're going to use today uh, for you, for you guys, they all kind of mean the same thing. And uh, when you guys see a close play at first base, usually at first base, right? Because the, the, the batter can run past the base. So um, he's not sliding. He's running past it. And it's usually that bang, bang play. Hey, what got there first? The ball or, uh, oh, excuse me, or the ball or the, the runner. A lot of people will say, oh, man, that was bang, bang. Well, in umpire terms, uh, you refer to that as a whacker. Oh, man, that was a whacker. Well, that was a banger. Or some people call it a same sounder. Because when you umpire... Uh, at first base specifically on really close plays. Uh, if you couldn't hear very well, then you probably wouldn't get the majority of these plays right because so much of it is based off of sound. And uh, you hear kind of that higher pitch 
pop when uh, the ball hits the glove and you hear that kind of lower base, base kind of uh, thud when a foot hits the hits the uh, base. So if the ball gets there uh, before the runner, generally you hear like this, pat, boom, and then right with the with the glove and then stepping on the base. That's why a lot of calls are missed at first base when the ball is tossed like underhand to the first baseman or the pitcher covering. Because as an umpire, you can't go by sound. You got you you're going all eyes and everything gets there so fast. Sometimes it blows up on you. Uh, but I would argue that if you were a blind guy, a blind umpire, you could get plays at first, probably right over 95% of the time, just by going off a of sound. If that is, if no one came off the base or no one dropped the ball, right. If you just went by sound, a lot of times you can get that play right at first base on those whackers, on those bangers, on those, those uh, same sounders. Cause sometimes the worst thing is when you hear that, that whack and the thud at like the same time, it's just like, <laughs> like at the same time, what got their first safe out? I don't know. Um, so yeah, those are the tough ones. Same. I got a, I had a same sounder at first base, man. And it was close. Uh, and as an umpire, generally your eyes, it's best to, at least this worked for me. Um, some coaches would disagree, but it's worked for me most times is I would get my eyes isolated on the bag as a play was happening because uh, I could feel kind of the ball going into the glove and my eyes would, act, if I was back far enough, you'd see the ball into the glove. You don't want to look up at the ball and then down at the foot. If you're back kind of back far enough, this is why you don't want to get too close, but you're back far enough. You can kind of fix your eyes kind of on the bag. Cause that's not going to move, right? It's the runner that's moving and the, the ball that's coming in You kind of freeze your eyes there. Soften your eyes, if you will, as everything comes into play. And uh, you, you generally would get the call calls right uh, more often than not. Although, like I said, plenty of coaches uh, disagree with, with me on plenty of plays at first base. So that's your, those are your terms for today. Whacker, banger, that was bang, bang. Oh, same sounder. You might hear that going on, uh, at least in umpire circles, you'll hear that. But, you know, some people, they try to explain, man, there was this like really close play. It was just, man, they, everything got there at the same time. I was like, yeah, oh, okay, a whacker. I, was, I, had a, yeah, I had a whacker at first base. Oh, it was a whacker play at the plate. Like, just means really, really close play. Uh, that's kind of some umpire lingo, but it works as far as uh, other, other aspects of baseball. Now, that is, those are our slang terms today. And I say that because uh, the baseball rule we are going to cover today is it's, it's more of a catchphrase that you hear a lot that is incorrect. Um, and, and that is, um, tie goes to the runner. How often have you heard that on a very close play where the, the runner, you know, he looks like he, 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 tie goes to the runner. Oh, he, he should be safe. Meaning he should be safe. If he got there at the same time as the ball, then he should be safe. Tie goes to the runner. You've probably heard that since your very earliest days of, of playing baseball. And as a baseball fan, well, I'm here to tell you that that cannot be found anywhere in the rule book. So if you do use that term. Uh, again, in an argument or whatever, um, it's not, it's not uh, correct. And uh, theoretically, the ways the, the ways the, the rules are written, theoretically, uh, you need the runner needs to beat the ball. If he does not beat the ball, and meaning the ball by the time it is in the in the glove, while the foot's on the bag, before his foot gets to the bag, if you don't beat the ball, then you are out. If you're not safe, it's hard to say. You're not safe until you're safe. Does that make sense? Like you have, you have to, you're, you're, you're out basically until you physically have beat. Hey, he beat the ball. You can't be like, well, they, they got there at the same time. Well, 
Now we have a decision to make. And so sometimes, you know, you'll hear that, uh, oh, they, he, he, he beat the ball or he, or excuse me, the, the tie goes to the runner. We got to stop saying that. That's not a thing. They taught us that in, in umpire school and we're very clear on that. The only mention of ties in the rule book are, uh, are that of uh, score related stuff. Where, you know, if the, at the end of an inning and things of that nature, and it was Tim McClelland, a major league baseball uh, umpiring legend who was asked by a little league guy one time. And I got it here. This is umpirebible.com. You can double source me if you want. This is just a fun website I found, but uh, this was a quote from a little league guy. I'm an umpire for little league. The coach told me that ties go to the runner. I said, the batter has to beat the throw to first because there are no such things as ties. Tim McClellan says that is exactly right. There are no ties and there is no rule that says the tie goes to the runner, but the rule book does say that the runner must beat the ball to first base. And so if he doesn't beat the ball, then he is out. So you have to make the decision. That's why umpires are paid the money they are to make the decision on if he did or if he didn't. The only thing you can do is go by whether or not he beat the ball. If he did, then he is safe. So that's a nice quote there from uh, Tim McClellan. If you want to look at uh, specific rules, specific uh, verbiage, uh, uh, 506.1 is a good one here. Uh, in the rule book, a runner acquires the right to an, to an unoccupied base was right to be safe uh, when he touches it before he is out. So before he is out, that's as close as you're going to get as to what happened first, the chicken or the egg, what, ha who gets there first, the ball or the, uh, or the runner. Um, a runner is out when he is, uh, this is 509 rule 509. A runner is out when he or the next base is tagged. So the force out in that situation before he touches the next base. So he is tagged, uh, Let's see, when he or the next base is tagged. So he or the next base. So the, the, the base is tagged before he touches the base. So again, you get that's the verbiage. Um, if that happens before he gets there, then, you, right, you're not there. Like when you pull up to a stop sign, you know, you're supposed to get there. We're supposed to stop, right, completely. Uh, at what point do you stop? Is it a fit? Did, did, did you stop before the line? Did you stop? Like, when are you officially stopped? It's kind of like that. I don't know exactly if that makes sense or not, but anyway, ties go to the runner. That is not a thing. We th last week, we talked specifically just about um, some terms in, in the sense of uh, obstruction versus uh, interference and knowing the definition between those two. And I will get into more of that stuff later on, but uh, in depth is to specifics and everything. But this week, Tie goes to the runner. That is not a thing. Um, that's not really an official rule, but it's things like that that I want to uh, continue to talk about here. In the bottom of the ninth, there was a running joke that tie goes to the umpire, and meaning uh, if it was close and uh, I thought it was a tie, then then I'm probably calling him out because uh, outs keep the game going, right? You need uh, 42 of those in high school. You need 54 of those in uh, in the uh, you know those nine inning games. So um, tie goes to the runner. Don't say that because it's not a thing. It's a baseball myth that uh, I hope I debunked well enough today. Um, and if you still think, man, they got there at exactly the same time, but what if, but what if they did, dude, sometimes you got to make a decision. No ties. There's no, I talked about this with soccer. I talked, no NFL change your overtime rules. There's no ties guys. Something got there first. Who was it? What was it? Okay. All right. That's enough for me guys. I've rambled vented long enough today. I am uh, out of time and out of ideas. So I will be back on Friday, I think, with a guest. 
Uh, as of now, I have something tentatively scheduled to record, but uh, we'll see if we can get to that. Don't forget on Tuesday, Rujando Prep softball team in the second round of the CIF playoffs. If you can get there, 315 start, get out to the game. If not, check it out on social media, Twitter. Uh, I'll post a few things, I'm sure, too. Uh, hopefully those uh, young ladies are, are ready to play. And for the, the boys who are no longer playing ball, I'm sure they'll be, uh, they'll be rocking the house there with the other real Hondo prep faithful. So guys uh, enjoy that. Enjoy the Kings games this week, Tuesday, Thursday, maybe Saturday. We'll see. And a uh, great guest on Friday, I think. So stay tuned on social media for all those aspects, guys. Uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks for tuning in guys. We will see you soon, but as always guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.